you mean? Don't believe me like that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm nervous about doing the bit. I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. You just had it in you. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, uh, excuse, order. Order in, the, order in the courtroom, please. Uh, Jerome Charles, have you ever or are you currently a member of the Communist Party? Uh, uh, a- answer the question, sir. When you say a member of the Communist Party, do I have to have like officially joined in some kind of? A- do you have any affiliation with any known communists in the United States of America, sir? I mean, I have a few friends, but like it doesn't necessarily mean that I do what they do, right? I, I guess not. <laughs> Is that how that would go? Yeah, that's how that went. Yeah, it was like uh, you know they did not like communists, so there was like two two decade periods, I guess, in the twenties and in the fifties again, where people had to go in front of big congressional halls and like talk like that all the time. And if okay, so then like floundering me, who really doesn't know how to answer the question or whatever, like what happens to me? I get put on a watch list. Oh yeah, they shit? would try to trip you up, and then they would blacklist you, uh, and then you wouldn't be able to get work again. Uh, there's like I mean they made a couple movies about it. Uh, uh, recently, but the, the Breaking Bad guy, uh, Trumbo, was one, and then there was another one. Uh, yeah, these sound like movies I would not. Watch. Oh yeah, you would hate them. Yeah, <laughs> you would absolutely hate them. Uh, but yeah, that's so. That's what it was. Uh, that's what it was like, and that's what it might be like again. So, do you want to join? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I, I change your fucking name. <laughs> What's up, everybody? It's, um, uh, what's the name of this podcast? Everyone sucks here. I'm Brian. And I'm Jerome. Yeah. And we're, um, we're here. And back to regular scheduled programming. Uh, so we, uh, haven't talked about the world, I guess, in a while. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, uh, well, I mean, we certainly give the world time to catch up and, and do stuff. Yeah, that's right. We're just giving the world its space, you know, letting it live its life and this feel is essentially its vibes. Like, like the season two of Everyone Sucks Here. That's you know? right, because that's how what we decided to do was to say <laughs> that it was intentional all the time. And everything we do is intentional. Yeah, everything we do. Yeah, it's it, it all manifests in the way we planned, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, so a lot is, I guess, you know, going on. Mm. and stuff i don't know what have you been like doing global oh okay me okay so let's shrink it down yeah let's shrink it down and let's expand down. out first you know yeah 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 uh first off rest in peace danny divine that's yeah that's what i've been doing recently is a uh, mourning loss of like a pittsburgh legend in his own time in his own right and uh really trying to huh, live my best life afterwards like <laughs> like i don't know uh when somebody's life is taken away from you're just like 
how could that have been me? You know, uh, well, maybe the narcissist me thinks that or whatever. Like, how could that have been me uh, if it was just like walking in front of a bus and now I'm dead? Uh, are all these people going to like actually give a shit that I existed and stuff? I think, I think, I think yes. I think I'm, I think I'm rambling. I think I'm okay. You yeah, know, you I'm went way deeper than that. <laughs> First of all, rest, rest in peace, Danny Devine. Uh, yeah, you said it, uh, Pittsburgh legend, the guy that really embodied uh, mm-hmm. everything you came to associate Pittsburgh art scene with. Yeah, my uh, gosh. To the, to the core. Like, like, that was the man's essence. Like, I, I, I question anybody who is in the art scene and doesn't even have, like, this, just the smallest knowledge. Yeah, if of who Danny Devine never touched your art career uh, in Pittsburgh, as far as I'm concerned, you, have you, you haven't made it. Yeah, you don't even have an art career in this city, I guess. Right. Uh, that dude was just a, a, a man of the people, like, in, every, <laughs> in every kind of true sense of the word, For and sure. he will be he will be uh, deeply missed. Yeah. So so yeah, just trying to really take stock of life, especially now that things are opening back up. Yep. You know, uh, I pretty much at work, I don't have to wear a mask anymore. So like. I'm I'm really only wearing masks going into medical centers at this point. Yeah, uh, everybody's buying weed as a medical center. <laughs> everybody's mad now because they're like, you should still be wearing the mask. Are they? Yeah, it's shifted again. Because you know how in the beginning everyone was like, no, nah, fuck masks. I'm not wearing masks at, yeah. at all. And then everyone's like, yeah, I'm, all right, masks. Yeah, Let's I, I figured I figured they were taking the mask thing down just to like get people to shut the fuck up. Uh, yeah, I think that's it too. I think there's like the, the whole like return to normalcy kind of optics, which is really important for like, mm. you know, the, the economy, like people. It's also important for the Biden administration. Yeah. Yeah. Very important for the uh, Biden administration, which is going to be the uh, focus of this episode. Um, because Biden is, uh, lying. yeah, he's lying. He's forgetting a lot of stuff, you know, I mean, I've heard the term president grandpa thrown around it's very yeah it's very true he's just he's just our dumb little uh pappy wait until he's like incontinent in public for the first yeah. time oh yeah it's gonna be so it's it might have he's at the uh the g8 or g7 summit right now or whatever I'm I, gonna, I'm gonna they always watch. change the number of the g's you ever notice that i honestly don't know what you don't even any, know what i'm talking about i know about. when i moved to pittsburgh i had met a guy who had gotten arrested at like g20. The g20 yeah shout out uh, all the g20 <laughs> punks who did their duty against the state <laughs> smashing uh, up bank buildings rolling and dumpsters down hills. Oh, you did it. Wow. Revolution achieved. Good gravy. Yeah, they unlocked it. And just like smashing all. into like civilian cars? Nah, they were rolling them at the cops, which was like pretty cool. Oh, that's dope. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely for it. Where did this happen? In Pittsburgh? Uh, I mean, it was kind of concentrated all over. I think the majority of the shit was down at the convention center thing but then there was also some stuff in oakland too because i remember it popping off there because i was living in oakland at the time yeah uh and yeah you know there's a lot of stuff but yeah he's president grandpa is currently at one of those things and yeah he might this might be his his poodin public they gotta have like presidential diapers yeah he's already mixed up like libya and syria um we could work together with russia for example uh in uh in libya we and for example, the rebuilding of uh, of, uh, of Syria, of uh, of Libya, of you know, this is they're there. So I'm hopeful that we can find an accommodation that where we can save the lives of people in, for example, in uh, in Libya. Uh, that uh, which I mean, to be fair, you would probably do too. Uh, well, uh, I'm, not, I'm not the president. That's so. right. And if if if. if if it were down to that, it would be like Libya on the left hand, Syria on the right hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just like which countries are we currently bombing? Yeah. You know, not bombing is on the left, <laughs> bombing is on the right. And you're like, okay, all right, all right, I got this. Yeah, so he, you know, he's struggling. Uh, but yeah, he's, um, 
there's something about the Biden administration that we're going to like tackle in this episode, and like we're going to teach everybody a, a new uh, socialist vocabulary word, mm, um, a word that I've heard my entire life. Never bothered to try and look up what it meant. I'm sure in eighth grade they told me, but in eighth grade I, yeah, I locked into nihilism, and that's yeah, all I. That was, I was it. Just like as soon as they taught me that, I stopped learning. You were so. just, yeah, you were just like, wait a second, I don't have to care. I don't have to care. It all, it all is irrelevant. Whether I care or not, y'all should have told up. me that. Yeah, I mean, it is, I mean it's a very popping ideology for that reason. <laughs> in terms of making excuses for yourself. Woo. He believes in nothing. He believes in nothing, Lebowski. Nothing. Uh, nothing. Nothing comes better than. Oh, nihilism. let's get let's get back to this vocabulary. Yeah, word. yeah, yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, so the vocabulary word of the day is uh, imperialism. Uh, so this is a very, um, con- I guess uh, it's a it's a word that everybody likes to like debate a lot about what it actually means and what actually constitutes it when it's happening in the real world. Mm. Um, so we're gonna. The simple definition is when a power or entity uh, uses um, military might or diplomacy to exert its influence over another country or entity. Uses uh, usually done with countries, um, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. the the sort of updated kind of version um, that you know uh, a guy named uh, Vladimir Ulyich Lenin wrote. Yeah, you like that? Who's that? Yeah, uh, he was a cool dude. Uh, had a wig goatee, kind of mm. looked like the cartoon version of the devil. Is that why they made him that? No, way? no, it predated him. Lenin was based. He liked kittens. You know, he what was is, a good guy. I, it's it's so, such millennial shame that I don't know what based means. Uh, I just I think it just means good. Really, like based God? Yes, like based. Like you, when you were based, you were knowledge. Like you have the wisdom of life or whatever. Oh, like well based. Like yeah. well, he's like well based in knowledge. Or, oh or would you man, well you know I've never really like studied the etymology of based, but yeah, I'm assuming. I know yeah. it just came from that that uh, little B guy, right? That's all I know it from. Yeah, yeah. Right. he yeah. made it popular. Yeah, he just gave us that word, and then that was kind of it. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you, little B. Yeah. Anyway, uh, so, so, so yeah, yeah. imperialism. Mm-hmm. Uh, according to Lenin, uh, in his theory, it also includes uh, aspects of what he called finance capital, which is um, money. Like, lots of money, just represented in money form, like hedge funds, that kind of stuff. It's not tied to any specific production, so it's not like the profits of, like, a car company, right? It's just So, like, money. this is where it starts to get, con- not hard or whatever, but uh, military force is, is, is tangible, it's physical, I can see that, I can see that. Yeah. When it becomes, like, money stuff, that seems like, it's probably stuff that you're, you can actually see, catch up on the news or whatever, but, um, I don't know, in one ear and... Not even registering. Yeah, I mean, it's all kind of the same game, right? But it's just the way that it's expressed. Mm-hmm. So, like, uh, back in the ancient world, like, imperial power was, like, decreed by the emperor. It came from, like, a one-person sort of dude. And, like, you just conquered whatever land that the emperor wanted okay, to. Okay, so and like, there. So, like, I'm an emperor, and I've got, like, five power rangers. And I was like, you guys are my imperial rangers. Just mm-hmm. go out and... Four directions plus one, and then capture whatever you can. Yeah, bring it into the glory of the Emperor of Jerome or whatever. You know, that's kind of how it went in the ancient world. Um, and, I, you know, in, in the historical materialist kind of view of history, right, power doesn't really uh, go away. It just sort of like disperses and, and changes. So it's gone away from like the age of kings and stuff, and now it's in the hands of the bourgeoisie, mm. which they flex their power 
through capital, uh, which is money. You know, money is like the ultimate and by sort like of expression of it. Having tigers in Dubai and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That kind of flex for sure. So, so the dominant world order is held in place by money, and uh, the the po- imperial powers that be are a lot of like financial institutions, like the International Monetary Fund or like the World Bank. Um, but they also kind of couple with uh, uh, like certain states, nation states. So like basically like uh, one industrialized country like the United States like produces so much capital that it sort of like removes itself from the process of production and just is this like entity of, of wealth that needs to be managed. What and do we then, make here? Huh? What do we make here besides military? Oh, uh, well, we used to make a lot of stuff. We don't make any more, but that's like a whole... But we still are like the leaders? Oh, well, we have a we have the highest GDP. This is a whole like complicated ass conversation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. okay, okay. okay. Like, we're not yeah. economists. Yeah, yeah, this is like that's math stuff that I get to know. But mm, short answer is we don't make nearly as much as we used to, but we still do make stuff. And some what is considered like transactionable goods has sort of like changed mm. to sort of also include uh, like services and. Mm. Uh, tech related stuff but anyway mm-hmm. so like it, one country basically just uh uh creates so much wealth that it needs to basically like export it uh into a developing country or someplace in what was historically known as the global south and still in, in a lot of circles is to sort of like prop up industry there create new markets there extract the wealth of that place and bring it back to like the original capitalist managers oh, and the geez. sort of like metropole. When you started that sentence, I was just like, "Oh, cool! They go to a like a place that needs it. Oh, and then they just take yeah, everything yeah, that they have yeah. and then send it back home because that's what we're talking about imperialism. Yeah, that's what my general imperial power rangers are doing. That's right. They're they're going over to a third world country and uh, you know they're just like, yeah, we're bringing you guys industry and jobs and yeah, stuff. It's like, what do you got there? Gold? We got their oil." Yeah, we'll take it. And then, like, uh, so there's, like, um, a bunch of different sort of, like, ways that this goes down, right? Like, uh, one way is is uh, described by a, a Ghanaian uh, political uh, theorist and political leader named Kwame Nkrumah called neocolonialism. It was just basically sort of, like, capitalist imperialism recreates the conditions of the old like colonial days by creating like um you know a a bourgeoisie class within the the colonized country itself that's beholden to some sort of like uh i guess client state in the west traditionally that holds all the real like capitalist playing cards like the capital investments for that country um boy like to you you're just saying stuff but like i'm like trying to like climb up the next step and be like wait what was he just talking about what was he just talking about so like uh, say that again okay uh so so this is like uh neocolonialism is the is the process of okay okay yeah you said it's the new way of of still doing old shit yeah yeah it's not it's not there's not like conquistadors on the beaches anymore it's just like business firms and they come in and they they prop up some local leaders and they get like favorable uh like economic trade deals with them and they usually are like hyper exploitative and they get to skirt a bunch of labor laws land reforms all that kind of stuff okay uh some another way it's played out historically uh especially in places like Latin America, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode, um, sometimes those countries, uh, they don't want to do that. They want to like nationalize those resources and use the wealth that those resources could create to sort of like make their countries better. Or maybe sometimes they want to like uh, reappropriate or appropriate the land of like the rich kind of like 
feudal style like plantation owners and stuff like that and then evenly dispersed them among the peasants and sort of like abolished those monopolies and then that's when yeah uh, well that's because they use those uh those plantation owners that's like the the native sort of like capitalist class in those countries Mm. usually reaches out to a place like the united states or an entity like the cia and says hey these guys are trying to do this and this is going to basically like fuck up the cash flow uh so come down here and do something about it what yeah how do people know how to do that just history and following the steps of their fucking fathers and shit yeah yeah it's like an old it's it's a it's an old process you know that just keeps getting like tweaked for the times right it's like mm. it's like a oppression like 2.0 16.0 like over eventual time you know a long enough timeline like it just keeps refining itself so the point of all that rambling is basically the kind of like key characteristic of uh, the biden administration right is um catch up uh, from the disruption, the four-year disruption that was Donald Trump. Hmm. Uh, like, Donald Trump, not saying that Donald Trump was not an imperialist. Okay. Uh, or, or, like, that he wasn't beholden to the same sort of, like, state powers that, like, Biden is. He absolutely was. But he just he just sort of represented this, like, like fringe kind of weirdo faction within it. Uh, outliers, you know what I mean? It's like when the... Uh, I don't know how else to describe it, but, like... Uh, you know, in a video game, when you get those like companion characters, mm-hmm. and it's like it's always you, but you get to like pick one or two guys to come out with you on the mission. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know. Donald Trump's administration was like you plus like the two characters that you never ever pick or whatever, and it was just like I don't know what you guys are gonna do, but I mean, I guess we're all here for the same game, right? So these these are just the people that he put into positions that weren't qualified for the position. Yeah, or? it was just like his whole administration was just this like hodgepodge of like sort of like misfit toy like rejects from like past administrations. Could he have been more effective if he wasn't like? a temperamental baby and just like actually hire the right people yeah like he probably could have maintained the empire if donald trump wasn't such a fucking like you said a temperamental baby like constantly making threats and all that kind of shit so like basically for whatever you think about i'm like this is not an endorsement of fucking donnie deals or anything like Mm. that so don't don't come for yeah don't yell at us and and whatever you're gonna yell at people at um but like donald trump basically like kind of gunked up the machine so badly that America lost its like pecking order in the in the global uh power scheme, right? Now, how is that bad for Jerome? It's n- well, I mean, it's not really bad for you or the world per se. Well, it depends, I guess. I don't know, it's a complicated question. It's not bad for you so as a as a fucking Socialist with international solidarity for the global proletariat—it's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. That's um, that's what I was hoping to get. Yeah. To. Yeah. 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 Uh, so like that kind of like decline is basically uh, what Biden's like um, key drive is—is is to sort of like correct that Build imbalance. Build back better. Build back better. Yeah. So he doesn't mean just the fucking roads and highways with that. Mm. He means uh, America's p- position as like the global hegemon. Wow. Too. He got you. Yeah. Are you Biden lovers out there? He. T- Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I don't like. Well, I don't think any of you guys love Biden. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, some, some. I don't know who listens to this, really, but like, <laughs> I mean, true. some people might have been duped, but I hate them. Well, I don't hate them. I don't blame anyone who's duped in this country. This country is very good at duping people. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so let's uh, take a little break, Rooney, right here, and uh, we will get into sort of like uh, what Biden is doing to get America back in that top spot. And unfortunately, like what that means for like the rest of the world and maybe us. Like it so far, man. 
Welcome to the United States, land of the thief, home of the slave. Grand Imperial Guard, where the dollar is sacred and proud. Let's do the real, come on now. Smoke and mirrors, stripes and stars, stoning for the cross in the name of God. Bloodshed, genocide, rape and fraud, written to the pages of the law, good law. The cold continent latchkey child ran away one day and started acting. Now we're back to riding with Biden. You're about to find out what he's been doing. That's what you came up with? Yeah. He Jeez. told me the intro, and yeah. I've just been doing a lot of songs lately. Uh, it's okay. <laughs> okay, so what we learned about Biden? What is, <laughs> what's this? Did we already say the word imperialism? Imperialism and <laughs> Biden. So yeah, yeah, let's yeah. Imperialism, Joe Biden. Okay, so uh, I, I feel like, and you know, maybe you can correct me if uh, I'm wrong here, but like mm. the general vibe is that America's back, baby. Like things are just kind of back to normal. Um, I think. I think. Um, I. Okay, maybe some people are thinking that. I feel yeah. the vibe is is just like tentative. Yeah, it's, and this is possibly a result of COVID and coming out of that or whatever. But everything is just tentative. Like you still have to show me. Like yeah. it's, it hasn't even been out of the first year yet. So that's that's how I'm feeling. I don't know. Maybe people are back to like, yeah, fuck it, everything's great again. I mean, you took a job, right? Like you're back to work, uh, bussing tables y'all, food running and stuff so what's that what's that energy like i mean uh the other day they told us we didn't have to wear masks and i was like okay let me freshen up my beard yeah so that's, uh, <laughs> that's how yeah I was. yeah so you know the the sort of like mood the mentality is like kind of like you know back to business as usual and like nowhere is this like more sort of apparent than um like the media right mm. which is like well i mean the media for the last four years was like screaming that like uh, uh, you know, we're in danger of like a new fascist takeover. Because like, the alternative is a fucking fascist. A fascist is a fascist. And now everything is just kind of like back to just be like, you know, this is. I mean, it ran, it runs the gambit from some people claiming that like, oh, this is the most like progressive uh, administration since FDR. If implemented, will make Biden the most progressive president. Uh, since FDR, hmm. uh, to people who were just like, give him some time. It's only his, you know, first ten days. It's only his first hundred days. It's Whoa. only his first three hundred days. Like, what do you want? Rome wasn't built in a day. Give him a break. Give him sure. a break. And this is just after this dude is just like backpedaling on like damn near like everything. Um, and he's done a lot of backpedaling, like domestically, like we ain't getting no student debt relief anytime soon. Damn. Uh, like I'm pretty sure Medicaid or Medicare for all isn't, isn't going to advance in the fucking, uh, national agenda anytime soon. That's so fucking wild, but I guess it's not, I guess the privatized, um, yeah. insurance company still just has like too much of a hold for them to even like consider letting that go. And that a lot of, a lot of, lot of squeaky wheels getting, getting grease, if you know what I mean. Damn. Um, the, oh, the police got more money, uh, which was tight. They used, um, the January 6th thing to help, help ease that one in. Uh, that was, everybody was Boy, like, I wonder how many people on that day were on, on like Biden's administration were like rubbing their hands together and just being like, yes, this is exactly what we needed. Like, cause uh, we can, we can mm. keep giving the military money, you know, money you know, under the Jerome, guise of that. The, the cynic in me says a lot of them, <laughs> uh, but yeah. So like that, that fucking bill or whatever the fuck it was called, uh, it went through and, and was essentially a police funding bill as well as the, uh. The Stop Asian um, Hate bill that they mm. did was also a police funding bill. So it's like any kind of opportunity <laughs> to like give the police more money, they'll 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 take. 
Well, Shep, after a meeting with local law enforcement community leaders, the president reminded the group he's done this before. As the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee in the 1990s, he was the lead author of a crime bill that followed after a, a decline in crime rates across the country. Well, now the White House is preparing for yet another summer spike in violence. And so the president laid out his strategy uh, to keep guns off the streets and to keep cops on the beat. Now, this is a president who, during the course of the 2020 campaign, went against the grain of his party in opposing the defund the police movement. And part of his plan would allow states and local governments to use COVID relief money, that $1.9 trillion package from March, to hire and train additional law enforcement. Um, so, but that, and that's just all on the domestic side of things. Okay. Like, the, what, really what I'm like trying to like emphasize here, and, and again, I just I want to clarify full disclosure for our listeners uh i do not like donald trump <laughs> like i fucking that guy was a piece of shit uh wow, but he was Brian's about to i know right Trump's real fucking props. hot take Ooh. uh but He's about to drop some props for donnie b bro um, he was just a fucking idiot that's the whole thing and that idiocy sort of like it it slowed the american empire to a crawl enough that the boot was just sort of like lifted off of like the neck of the global south just like a little bit you mm. know what i mean uh and like i said biden's like the the keynote of his administration is, is going to be applying that pressure back and, uh. and and securing america's like top spot again uh so like at, at one point there was a uh, news uh little news preference uh press conference thingy that uh joe biden came out on and i don't know if he was in like a fugue state or whatever but he uh he he proposed this question to the press corps. Where he was like, "Could you imagine what it would be like if uh, the United States went around intervening, intervening in the political process of of other countries?" Let's get this straight. How would it be if the United States were viewed by the rest of the world as interfering with the elections directly of other countries, and everybody knew it? What would it be like if we engaged in activities that he is engaged in? And, and what the world would, would think about us if we did that. It diminishes the standing of a country that is desperately trying to make sure it maintains its standing. And I was, I was, you know, I was just floored because uh, that is uh, exactly what we do. So this is a list of uh, U.S. interventions since World War II uh, in some form or another, either through bomb attacks um, sabotage or attempted regime change uh okay so china 1945 to 1946 syria 1949 korea 1950 to 53 china again to 1950 to 53 as well iran 1953 guatemala 1954 tibet 1955 into the 70s indonesia 1958 cuba 1959 the democratic republic of the congo 1960 to 1975 the dominican republic 1961 vietnam 1961 to 1973 Brazil, 1964, Republic of Congo, 1964, Guatemala, 1964, Laos, 1964 to 73, Dominican Republic again, 1965 to 66, Peru, 1965, Greece, 1967, Guatemala, 1967 to 69, Cambodia, 1969 to 70, Chile, 1970 to 73, Argentina, 1976, Angola, 1976 to 1992. 
Turkey, 1980, Poland, 1980-81, El Salvador, 1980-92, Nicaragua, 1981-1990, Cambodia, 1980-1995, Lebanon, 1982-1984, Grenada, 1983-1984, Libya, 1986, Iran, 1987-88, Libya again in 1989, Philippines, 1989, Panama, 1989-1990, Iraq, 1991, Kuwait, 1991, Somalia, 1992-94, Iraq, 92-96, Bosnia, 1995, Iraq, 1998, Sudan, 1998, Sure, we're not done yet. So, like, one of the first things that he did uh, when he returned to office was um, uh, bomb a, a few places. Uh, Somalia, which no one cares about. I'm sure you didn't hear about uh, because it was just not reported. And sort of, like, strengthening AFRICOM's role there, which I don't know if you know what that is. Have you heard that phrase before? Yeah, I don't think I like it, right? AFRICOM. No, 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 no. I don't know what that is. Okay, yeah. Well, that's African Command, which is a branch of the military that's like... The U.S. military, by the way, that's like just dedicated to sort of like uh, managing things in Africa. Which kind of doesn't sound like it should be the U.S. military's like purview, but yeah, it is. Hmm. Uh, so they've been... Oh, that was like one of Obama's sort of like key policies too was like strengthening AFRICOM uh, as well as U.S. influence in in that region and Biden is very much like picking up again where like the Obama sort of like foreign policy train like stopped rolling and Clinton would have Hillary Clinton had she won the election would have also been a continuation of that so like oh well then you can just say that any president period that's in office is going to do that then well yes and no like they again they, they all everybody wants to maintain uh the american empire but everybody thinks like the different two factions i.e republicans and the democrats uh have sort of like different different ideas about how that can be done mm. you know okay uh so like this this sort of like policy is is very much what was developed in the eight years under obama with uh hillary clinton as secretary of state it's like the same old playbook mm -hmm. uh so like yeah that bombing in in somalia uh strengthening of africom around the region as well um you had that bombing of um pro-assad troops in uh, uh syria again mm -hmm. In his first known show of force as America's commander-in-chief, U.S. President Joe Biden ordered airstrikes on buildings used by Iranian-backed militias in eastern Syria. The action was retaliation for the militia strikes in Iraq last week that wounded a U.S. military member and killed an American civilian contractor. President Biden ignored reporters' questions about the airstrikes as he left the White House for Texas. But the Pentagon says the president's message was clear. The United States will act to protect American and coalition personnel and our security interests in the region. Uh, which is just sort of like uh, sort of like a friendly reminder, I guess, to the Syrians and the Russians um, that America is still a player in the region and they could still hit you if, if they want to. So first off, I'm gonna <coughs> yeah, you don't back up. Yeah, back I don't up. even know beep, beep, what. Beep. Why is why is uh, 
Russia have any stake in Syria? Russia also an imperialist? This is where it gets a little bit uh, murky. Some people will say yes, some people will say no. Uh, that Russia is just sort of like looking out for its own interest. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and one of its big principal interests as a nation is sort of like to get America off of its borders. Yeah. If, you, if you imagine the world like a big old risk board, right? Yeah. You got right on the border of Russia is like a, a shit ton of U.S. military installations wow. and bases in NATO. So Are they're like stopping them from spreading? Or, no, or not even interested in spreading. We're just, we're just sort of like, it's just like keeping them in check. I guess I don't even know how to describe it. Like, I guess it, it originally was this, this idea of like stopping them from spreading when they were the Soviet Union because they mm. didn't want like global communism to take over. Yeah. Uh, but now it's more along the interest of like, well, this is where the line is now, and we're just gonna hold on to this fucking turf that we got. Um. So like, Russia is constantly like being sort of like provoked by these like incursions by the united states they're always kind of like hey don't put a fucking like missile defense system or like a missile system in uh estonia like mm. that's too close to our borders and we're not gonna hand and the u.s would be like eh, i'm gonna do it and then you know boom and it's wow. it, it's, it's, it's getting been, tense i've been watching for all mankind and this is it's, it's helping me understand this stuff there you go because so, this stuff <clears throat> is happening but just on the moon that's right yeah then just, go watch for all mankind yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's pretty deep it's uh it's it's kind of what i haven't watched it yet so i'm not endorsing that shit no, uh, do it. i'm pretty right. sure it's anti-communist well, what do you do huh what yeah i'm pretty oh, sure I'm well pretty yes sure it's anti-communist. definitely uh yeah. But, but yeah but that's neither here nor there you can enjoy that show if you want to yeah go for it yeah uh so yeah the long story short of it is like russia it has a base in syria you know one on one side to look out for its own sort of like national interests right and then on the other side of things is like they're not going to let the United States just have a complete monopoly over military bases in a geo, like a geopolitically important region like the Middle East. Right. Like it's just they're just it would be f- stupid, right? Like uh, from a from a national sort of like perspective for for the Russian sure. government to just give up that region without any sure. kind of fight. And so this ties back into the difference between Biden and Trump's administration. Yeah, because like Trump for whatever reason like didn't really want to like take on like the strong guys like in that region uh directly um was very much in kind of in favor of non-confrontation actually like with the, the, downscale does, does he like wait 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 uh, uh 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 putin right like we're not supposed to like him certainly. no you shouldn't like putin okay. i don't know and you so should... what's why was trump's relationship what was this Trump relationship? i don't know you know a lot of a lot of people said that like putin had like uh compromise which is like the blackmail box on trump the p-tape Oh, okay. Right. Uh, So Trump, get over it. Yeah. The P-tape can't be. Honestly, it couldn't have been that bad. Yeah, it can't. Yeah. Or it had to have been bigger than we know. Yeah. Yeah. And especially considering like what a dirtbag we all knew him to be already. Like how how much worse could it have done? But uh, that kind of like led into this whole like paranoid fantasy about like him being a Russian agent, blah, blah, blah. Mm. So I don't know what it was. I can, I couldn't really explain it to you, but just, just with the, with my dumb knowledge of like, I think we're supposed to not like what Russia does. And so then why is our president seemingly like buddy, buddy with these guys? Why is QAnon not looking at that? I don't know. Cause wouldn't that like, cause I'm not even a conspiracy person, but like this to me is just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to bang with this dude who's like, I don't know. Cool. But I mean, like the whole Trump Russia thing sort of became like the liberal QAnon. Okay. You know, it was like looking for every possible connection to the Kremlin that he had. But for whatever reason, yeah. uh, 
Trump did not want to like sort of like confront Putin or to a lesser extent want to confront Erdogan, who's like the president of Turkey. Um, He didn't want to confront either of them too hard. And he just sort of like let them do whatever they want in the region. Biden is kind of pushing back on that. He's Mm -hmm. like this, this sort of like lackadaisical approach. Back in the saddle again. Back in the saddle again. Back in the saddle again. We're ready to ride. And uh, that, that is more or less why he bombed Syria. Which is like, that's, again, I, this is like, that was a whole fucking long-winded explanation to just sort of explain mm. uh, that there was no reason to bomb Syria. Like, it yeah. was just because they could do it. Okay. Because there was a message to send. It's it's really... Lives lost? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. And it, it's just really just gangster shit. Like, that's how this, this sort of like... This is I want my fucking corners. You Why know? can't we learn how to dance fight it out? I or know. I don't know what do the geo, I don't know what the geopolitical equivalent to dance fighting would be. I guess maybe like everyone's on like an American Idol thing, maybe. Right. Okay. And that's, then the winner gets to decide. That's wild. I mean, I know. I guess I never really. <laughs> I know that bombing somebody can probably never come from a good place. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> but uh, when you just say that it's just like, no, that was just a flex bombing. I'm like, oh, that sucks. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a flex bombing. Uh, and let's, let's keep running through his greatest hits so far. Like, he's only Already? been in office for like uh, six months, right? Yeah. It's been six months. Uh, so there's a, a dictator in Haiti that is refusing to step down after being uh, ousted democratically in an election. Mm. But the USA, because whatever for whatever fucking reason the USA is qualified to speak on such things, says that these election results are invalid and that this guy gets to be president until 2022. That... Imagine if another country like mm-hmm. told us that, that our election, yeah, that your election results are invalid and Trump gets to be president to 2023 or whatever. We would be not having it. That's for one thing. America, what's your problem? Bro, it's, we are just a, a, a freak nasty nation. We just got to be all up in everybody's business. God, just fucking damn. shit up. Just getting mud on the couch. You know? Yeah. Just, fuck your couch. Yeah. It's, <gasps> and it's just, just because we fucking can in a lot of instances and it's whatever. All right. So, so. There's a whole bunch of other little instances like that, like the the fucking sort of like China, like fear mongering is ramped up, uh, taking a different approach. Uh, like we're we're sort of like reaching out to old allies in Europe, in South America, and uh, Southeast Asia, and trying to like strengthen those relationships as a means of like sort of like containing China and like curbing its national its its global influence around the world. It's it's very much like a shift back to again what Obama was sort of like doing uh, during his presidency with the whole pivot to Asia thing, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, they're just like it's like uh, it's like the the president grandpa just like sad sad old man doesn't realize you know he's out on the dance floor and his pants are down and he's just still trying to like fucking keep up keep up with the rest of the young kids or whatever the rest of the world is watching at this party kind of yeah it's like there's definitely people who see the writing on the wall uh that america is like a state in decline um and you know are kind of like slowly distancing themselves oh i wonder what that feels like right, uh, right. Uh, 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 yeah um make, yeah okay make it, make it personal Fuck go ahead <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh boy yeah so, wow. so what you're gonna see uh, is just sort of like um, America doubling down on a lot of its like shittiest foreign policy positions. Mm. Um, well, while still telling you that like no, no, we're this is good. This yeah, is all yeah, good for you. yeah. While while still making the whole human human rights where the bastion of democracy sort of face. Like that's that's the thing that really drives me nuts about like the Democratic Party is that 
is it's the hypocrisy, right? They lie to you. They they dress it up and couch it. So when so when progressive Fox is saying that we're liars, it's not a lie. Everybody's fucking lying in this okay. country, buddy. Everybody Everyone sucks lies here. here. Yeah, it's like that. You know, name the podcast. <laughs> uh, then that's definitely the way it goes. Um, and one of the the sort of like shittiest fucking positions uh, of American foreign policy, it, and that we're, we're definitely not letting go of even with this this new administration is the relationship we have with israel Mm. uh so i know that even in your little bubble uh you have probably heard about the latest shit with israel and palestine so let's Uh, let's i'm gonna i'm gonna kick it to you uh the uh, snapchat showed me a thing yeah what is maybe today or yesterday morning that said so-and-so is new prime minister is somebody was ousted and this is a new prime minister of israel end that, of story that's right all right so can we let's rewind that back like <laughs> two three weeks oh there's been um there's there's been bombing and these people are just like no no we're only bombing to like bomb them back and then these people are just like well they're using human shields so The ground shook overnight as the Israeli military carried out at least 150 powerful airstrikes against the Gaza Strip. Israeli tanks fired into Gaza too, but didn't enter. Thousands of Israeli troops remained deployed around the edges of Gaza for a possible invasion. I don't know. It's yeah, obviously. I, mean, I went. Of, I went to a. Uh, I walked in the streets. I said free Palestine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you were there. You Clearly, were there. You, you knew that some shit, some bad shit was happening. Yeah. Basically, like uh, the state of Israel, to you know, sort of like spare no words and not get too bogged down in the history of the conflict. I mean, they're a settler colonial project. Like they see the land that the Palestinians are occupying, and they want it for just the sake of wanting it. And they're just going to replace those people with uh, Jewish settlers. And it's so wild. It is, yeah, it's fucking wild. And it, this is a process that has been going on in sort of like leaps and bounds and like different increments since 1948. But this escalation has something new that has Israel's Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu scared. Palestinian Israeli citizens, 20% of the population, have started to express their anger too. Some even siding with Hamas. It's it's definitely the sort of the most like disgusting sort of like relationship um, that the U.S. Does, like emphatically maintains. Like you cannot you cannot be an elected official in the United States and criticize Israel in any kind of meaningful capacity and not expect some sort of like political backlash. And political it's because, backlash from whom? From like groups like the anti anti defamation league uh, or like APAC, which is the American. Uh, Israel political something 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 Hmm. Uh, just these like lobbying groups that represent the interests of the state of Israel uh, in the American government which is pretty substantial because but we can talk about other countries that don't have things like that set up again this is sort of like how the lens of imperialism like sort of like shapes the world right like uh, if it's a if it's a country say like China who is uh, committed to uh, building socialism and like doing things differently, uh, the U.S. can look at any given situation and like nitpick it for potential human rights uh, violations and just scream it from the mountaintops. Right? Mm-hmm. It's never going to be a problem to accuse one of those countries of doing something bad. Okay. But when you have a country like Israel which plays a unique role in uh, sort of U.S. imperialism's like global playbook, criticizing it is, is 
fucks up. It's bad for the cash flow. Right? Okay. So you don't want to talk shit about as as the manager. You don't want to talk shit about your supervisor to your employees. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Uh, so like, it's been Israel's been described historically as the uh, the U.S. the U.S.'s most expensive like aircraft carrier, basically. In that, um, what we just what an aircraft carrier does is it carries aircrafts, right? Yeah. Yeah. It gets them to the front line, basically, in a quick capacity, and that's. If if shit ever popped off in the the Middle East, mm. uh, the United States' relationship with Israel would make sure that it was not completely like cut out of that fight. Now this role has changed, right? It used to be we used to be way more reliant on that dynamic in the past, but now we have uh, sort of like similar arrangements to a lesser extent with like places like Saudi Arabia and Egypt uh, and like some of the Gulf states. So like that kind of relationship is not as important, but it's, it's just like that, uh, that uh, fallacy of sunken costs, right? We've already dumped so much money and effort and time and energy into this relationship that we're not going to cut ties. Is that literally it? I mean, I kind of, yeah. I mean, there's a whole bunch of other shit that makes this, uh, this relationship beneficial like there's the deadly exchange which is particularly relevant to to uh us as american citizens which is where u.s police go over to israel uh and get training in crowd control and riot like suppression techniques from the israeli defense force or the israeli occupation force so like the shit that they do to palestinians uh is taught to american police and then is is executed upon us by American police. The technique that killed George Floyd, the knee to the neck, that's an, that's an Israeli uh, defense force technique. It's an Israeli occupation force technique. Like, they do that to Palestinians all the time. Good God. Yeah. So, like, there's there's no both sides to this. Like, there's no, there's no fucking, like, oh, they have rockets and they launch back. Like, this started because... Uh, uh, well, dialectically, like this even connects back to Trump's decision to move uh, the U.S. embassy to East Jerusalem. And I know this is not going to you're, you're looking at me like, Ooh, uh, but Jerusalem is always supposed to be an open city. Mm. Like it's supposed to be internationally accessible, kind of like Republic City from the Legend of Korra. Ooh, OK. Yeah, accessible to all the nations. Yeah, right? great. Love that. Uh, but lately, Israel has kind of been making moves and saying like, no, Jerusalem is actually ours. So East Jerusalem is a historically Palestinian neighborhood, and this neighborhood in East Jerusalem called Sheikh Jarrah, uh, which has housed Palestinians since like, sort of like they were displaced there back in 1948. Um, basically, a bunch of uh, Zionist settlers went into the neighborhood, smashed up a bunch of businesses, kicked people out of their homes, and just said, we are living here now. You are stealing my house. And if I don't steal it, someone else is going to steal it. No, no one. Uh, when was this? This was maybe like Four, four or five weeks ago. This is what kicked off all of the all of the violence. Again. Wow, wow, wow. Sheikh Jarrah makes up just a tiny part of occupied East Jerusalem, but the area is a major source of tension between Palestinians and Israelis. A recent order to evict Palestinian families has triggered violent protests, particularly around Al-Aqsa Mosque, not far away. The Biden administration, one thing that they notably did not do, even though they made a stink about it when Trump did it, mm. was move the U.S. embassy out of Jerusalem uh, back to Tel Aviv. So this is just a symbolic thing, but it's an important symbolic thing, right? By the U.S. being like, our embassy to Israel is in the city of Jerusalem. It's sort of, it's so basically then, then saying... Anybody who is, is not Israeli there can't even go to the, like the embassy for help or aid. Right, and it's also sort of just allegiance. like announcing to the world that we say Jerusalem is Israeli. 
Like, this is where our embassy to the country is, so therefore, like, that's what we consider the owners of the city. Uh, so, as uh, resistance to this sort of, like, latest round of, like, forced evictions in Sheikh Jarrah sort of intensified, uh, Israeli uh, defense force started attacking worshippers at the Al-Aqsa Mosque, which is, like, the third holiest site in, in Islam and one of the national symbols of Palestine. It's a very important place. And they were basically, like, launching tear gas This is what sparked this latest round of an old and still very bitter conflict. On Monday, as Palestinians were praying in Jerusalem's Al-Aqsa Mosque during the final days of Ramadan, Israeli troops moved in to disperse them with force. Israel says it was responding to rock throwing. Palestinians say it was part of a pattern of intensified harassment in the disputed holy city. This was all going on during like Ramadan too, which just is extra insult to injury. So basically the leader of Hamas in Gaza uh, put out a video and this this dude's like, you know, very fucking like uh, secret agent, like homelandy sort of like character guy because you never see his face. Like he never appears in public. Like no one I think has, has seen him in real, like other than his like closest military advisors and stuff like that mm. has like seen him out in public in like 12 years maybe or something like that. And um, he basically released an audio recording, which was the first time he had done that in maybe like eight years saying like, if you don't like Israel, if you don't stop this, like if you don't stop attacking worshipers at, at Al-Aqsa and if you don't stop like evicting Palestinians from Sheikh Jarrah, like there will be consequences. And then that's when the rockets started coming up, you know, the Hamas started launching rockets at Israel. And like, again, this is even still a sort of like symbolic gesture because like while the rockets technology has certainly gotten better over the years, they're nowhere near compared to like the Iron Dome defense system or some of the, the stuff that Israel has at its at its arsenal. Okay, so the picture that I saw with like a bunch of squigglies going towards a bunch of straight lines, yeah, like yeah. which is which, and uh, weren't those like squigglies like scramble missiles? Like, hey, let's just go get the ones that are so like they wouldn't be flying on a direct course would they i don't know about missiles yeah yeah it's like that i mean things got hit there's definitely people that got hurt uh but like again hamas like you know it issued a warning and like it said they were going to do this it's not like a surprise it gave this country the option israel the option to stop doing what it was doing hmm. and it waited even still like five days and israel just ignored him and israel ignored him on purpose because it's a calculated risk every single time like the minute hamas does this like launches some rockets into israel israel has the causes belli which is like excuse for war to bomb the shit out of gaza again which wow. is something that it's been doing like every like uh three to four years like like clockwork right. um to this population that's essentially trapped in like a six mile wide, wide prison uh, uh, like real fucking like escape from New York type shit. Like just walls uh, all around you, the sea on one side, which like out a couple a couple miles from the shore is just a, a row of Israeli like warships blockading the the Gaza Strip from even getting like materials coming in from the ocean. Whoa. Like they these guys have to like hustle everything into Gaza, like you know through underground tunnels, through fucking like uh, smuggling networks and shit like that because Israel does not let shit in like they are given like only access to electricity for like four hours of the day they only what? israel can shut off their water like whenever they want to they can control which fucking roads they go on it's prison it's prison life and america's just like no we fuck with american this. just looks the other way they just look the other way and like even as it's getting to this point where like the rest of the world is kind of being like this is really fucked up i don't know if we can support this anymore mm-hmm. uh 
America still is basically cutting checks. Like, so this whole shit happened uh, in this latest round of violence uh, from Israel occurred. And I think within like maybe two days after them bombing Gaza, Biden signed a uh, $735 million arms deal. One focal point is the Biden administration's decision to approve a $735 million sale of precision-guided munitions to Israel. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki was asked about that today, but pushed the question off to the State Department. She did say the U.S. diplomatic effort here has one goal in mind. That was sent to Israel to keep doing what they're doing. Uh, so, yeah, that's... This is all getting back to Biden going back to business as usual. Yeah. And so, then, main, so maintaining that special relationship in Israel is very much back to business as usual. It's just getting really... Dis it's really disgusting now. And it's it's really going to be, in my view, this competition between, like, uh, how quickly the Israeli government can finalize its sort of, like, settler experiment versus how long it takes for the rest of the world to just absolutely shut off Israel from you know access to shit and it's like it's still a long way going but like that relationship the ability for Israel to do what it does mm -hmm. uh is is sort of like given that sort of like hall pass by the United States and it it it's it does that because it's in the interest of US imperialism mm. so that that's mm -hmm. i guess one of the bigger updates with with Biden um and the the situation over there Oh, but then Biden's not the only one doing trash. There's also Kamala. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, so what are you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, talk about do not come. I want to be clear to folks in this region who are thinking about making that dangerous trek to the United States-Mexico border. Do not come. Do not come. The United States will continue to enforce our laws and secure our border. There are legal methods by which migration can and should occur. But we, as one of our priorities, will discourage illegal migration. And I believe if you come to our border, you will be turned back. Oh, right. Yeah. The meme, the latest Kamala meme. Yeah. Yeah. She was in Guatemala and she basically uh, told a bunch of people there and like any immigrant, like a potential immigrant listening, just don't do not come. You know, that was her message for them. And like, I maybe I'm a was it was it like a do not come hard period comma or was it just like. I don't have any other good news. I'm just saying do not come, period. Yeah, it was like um, a solemn warning kind of vibe. Wow. You know, like like uh, like you're like a teacher, like when like right before she's about to like whip out detention slips and like is trying to get everybody like just listen up. It was like, oh, that time is so stressful because like I just want to get out of class. I'm not yeah. even acting up. Yeah. And it had that real like paternalistic tone. Like I'm telling I'm telling you this for your own good. Uh, and so like that's I mean that's been in accordance with the sort of like name of the game in the United States for a minute now like we don't want immigrants from Latin America coming here uh, like Trump started building a wall we're still Biden's finishing the wall uh, and now like Kamala is basically telling like uh, uh, entire population just like do not come to our border because you're not going to get in or you're not going to like what happens to you like when you do yeah.
Since when? Well, I mean, that's just how it goes. Uh, and like this, this is all—I mean, this is all connected to America's imperialist policy within its own backyard, which is like what it does in Latin and South America. Mm. Uh, and oh, this is the this is the Avatar stuff, huh? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is the Avatar stuff. Like we want we want the fucking the resources of these places, and we'll do whatever it takes uh, to do it. Elon Musk replied, "We will coup whoever we want." Deal with it. And like, there's a long history here, so like, you could read about the coup. Who? who, who? Huh? Who could do what? You, not you. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Someone could. Yeah. If any of the listeners of this podcast are yes. so inclined, okay. and want to, you know, bump up their education skill points or whatever, sure. They can look up uh, the coup in Guatemala in like the 50s. Uh, they can look up so the history of the banana republics in the sort of like pre-capitalist days. Um, yeah, you know, yeah, you, I saw that gleam of recognition in your eye. No, it's, it's incorrect. It's incorrect. I'm only thinking about the clothes. Yeah, well, it, I, that's a good. That's a good little aside because that's the clothing store took the name from that expression, banana republic, which a banana republic is is basically uh, the term for a puppet government that sort of works for United Fruit, which later became Chiquita Banana, which used to. Like, you know, lobby the U.S. government and the military to overthrow governments in Latin America. So they that's could, what's important. That's what's it. important. Yeah. Okay. So I'm like, like listening, I'm like, I don't okay, bananas. Who cares? Buddy, oh. we have a long and storied history of fucking with South America. Mm. We just we are all up in their shit, like from the days of the fucking Monroe Doctrine to like now. Um, and yeah, so like w- w- the the. We are just sort of like propping up uh, any sort of like right wing populist figure that we can find. We have this sort of like textbooks kind of maneuver uh, where if uh, someone loses an election in a Latin American country to like a left wing candidate, they'll just say that there was like voter fraud. And then they'll appeal to the Organization of American States or the OAS or like, you know, the CIA by default to like, hey, you know, why don't you look at this and like come down here and like maybe like declare these elections invalid they did that trump did that to evil morales in bolivia if you remember that from like 2019 no okay uh bolivia has a lot of lithium lithium as you know is used for smartphones and laptops and shit like that all the stuff that we like to use yeah uh the president of bolivia was like we are going to use this huge lithium mine in our country bolivia to enrich the people of bolivia i love it instead of giving it to some transnational corporation of course let's do that not having that so Mm. they you know got some international election observers to sort of like declare uh uh the election in bolivia fraudulent and then embolden this sort of like psychopathic, like Christian e religious right wing populist group led by this like church lady, I forget her fucking name, uh, to basically like sort of like declare the election in void, declare themselves president, and so like move in. Thankfully, that only lasted for like a year. And then I think because of the sort of like chaotic situation domestically, uh, the United States intelligence community didn't have the follow up to make sure that it, you know, the coup stuck. Hmm. So even Morales's party came back into power. Um, and then this is kind of like, I guess, where we're going to sort of like end the episode, right? Hmm. Is like um, some of the, the good news coming from Latin America, which is actually sort of symbolic of larger good news that all this stuff we were just talking about the sort of like U.S. imperialist agenda is is on its last legs. 
it's weakening. Oh yeah. Yeah, America's influence in the global world is is waning, and uh, that's why Obiden, uh, Biden 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 mm-hmm. is is so uh, you know so so concerned with getting it back, right? And <clears throat> and and uh, let's say if Trump had another four years, like right off the bat from that, would we? Would you see like a even more rapid decline in that, or was it just it's just inevitable shit? I don't know. I I, I couldn't speculate because if Trump being able to lock down another four years or whatever uh, would imply that he had like uh, solidified some sort of like establishment level support that was just kind of oh, like never there for him. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so I don't know what that would say. He was always an anomaly that the sort of like system had to like work out. You know, it was like damn the Matrix was just yeah. Like, it was a glitch. Get- it was a fucking Trump was a glitch in the Matrix without a doubt. Wow. Uh, and now, like Biden is trying to like just course correct the program well, and like resetting scrub, the program. yeah, just like scrub it. all the fucking like error code that like Trump like kicked in, um, and like yeah. So, but the problem is, it's it's we've been an empire in decline for a long time now. Mm-hmm. Uh, this the 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 financial crisis in two thousand eight was really bad. Wow. Uh, and then the financial crisis from the COVID pandemic was also really bad, and we're oh. and we have not really recovered by that mm-hmm. so we're, we're just sort of like it's this idea of like sort of like expanding on a shaky foundation you God know damn. you know it's just like not gonna work it's yeah. like this is unstable how um, do i get myself to a place that's not here that's not here <laughs> uh good question man you're probably gonna have to get a couple hundred thousand dollars in assets uh and then move yeah uh, what other countries really don't want you know, any any old person just moving there. I'm not. I'm I'm Jerome, and I got I can do stuff. I'm yeah. a good food runner. Well, all right. Well, maybe you could go to Peru because one of these places Jeez. where the um the sort of veneer of American imperialism is cracking mm. uh, most recently is Peru, mm. which I don't know if you know. Probably don't. This is a real Brian heavy talky episode. Sorry. Uh, so I'm just giving Jerome the lecture, and all you are here with him. Mm-hmm. You know, and you I can, hate lectures. You can go I'm... out. You guys can go out after class and get some <laughs> ice cream, and, and you know, smoke under the bleachers and, sure. and talk shit on old man Ganella. Just damn. just rambling on about this shit. Going to the fucking U.S. history class again. Yeah. World I'm, history. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. We'll do a, a fun episode. At, you know, yeah, after this. Uh, and whatever. Uh, anyway, so Peru. Uh, recently had a presidential election uh-huh. and it is looking like that uh, this guy named Pedro Castillo is going to win and he is a uh, Marxist-Leninist union organizer and a teacher from rural Peru which is a very strong sort of like leftist base uh, and they uh, were virtually unknown in, in the terms of like the global politics like celebrité right mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's looking like they're gonna win and he's beating the granddaughter uh kiko fujimora who's like the granddaughter of uh, another president fujimora who's the president of peru in the 80s who was more or less like a kind of a u.s supported like right wing like fascist dictator and she's like a direct legacy to that and she's going to lose. You're watching Teleso English, and I'm Katrina Goss. Electoral authorities have finally concluded the first count of the ballots cast in Peru's June 6 presidential election. With 100% counted, according to Peru's National Office of Electoral Processes website, Pedro Castillo won with 50.2% of the vote. And she's also in, kind of in trouble for some corruption shit, so that's okay. one of the reasons why. Yeah. Um, but, like, 
his coming to power, and then Evo Morales' party returning to power in Bolivia, as well as the Maduro government holding on in uh, uh, Venezuela, and the sort of like the resistance going on against uh, Ivan Dukak's uh, government, or Dukak, Duque's government in Colombia, mm-hmm. which is like another right wing sort of guy. Like all these dudes in Latin America are sort of like being flicked out, like one by one, mm-hmm. in favor of more like. Uh, democratic socialist leaning like candidates, which is an extremely good thing. Wow, to have democratic socialism so close to America. Yes, yeah, and especially in these countries that have been historic uh, client states of the United States, right? Mm. Like, to, to for them to be able to like sort of get out underneath that role. Uh, now, what makes it? This has happened before. Like, there have been pink tides, quote unquote, like our red movements in in Latin America before that have never kind of like you know, been able to, like, successfully get off the ground. Uh, Even as recent as, like, 2014 Mm. with Brazil, you know, America was still able to sort of, like, uh, influence this huge corruption scandal that brought down a really popular, um, uh, like, left-wing candidate in Brazil, which led us to that guy, Bolsonaro, who you've probably heard of as just being a general shithead, or, like, Brazil's Trump or whatever. Okay. Um, So, like... America's influence to sort of like keep its thumb on this place of the world is like just fading. Okay. Uh, and like the more and more that this happens, like, you know, the better it is for the, the global south and the, the workers of that country. And which means the better it is will inevitably be for us. I gotta say, this is probably the most optimistic you've ever been on the podcast. Yeah, this is, this is optimistic, you know, and I, you leave it to other countries to lead the way. <laughs> but yeah, it, this is a good thing because America is at this point right now where like... W- Shit is just too fucking precarious for us to flex like we used to back in the the height of the Cold War or mm. like even in the end of history period from like the nineties to like the early two thousands. Like we are we are not able to like force countries to like play the part or like you know, be in the same traditional roles that they used to. And 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 like it's not even like Western culture has a monopoly on stuff nor because like there are foreign movies on Netflix now. That's right. And yeah. you can just access those easily. So it's not like uh, America's culture is the only thing that's going on. Like yep. other places are just being like, no, nah, we're good. Yeah. We, we took what we need and then we can do our own shit from here. Yeah. 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 And, and maybe that's a good, maybe that's another episode. We could do like an imperialism part two episode because one thing that is always been really dominant is uh, uh, America's cultural hegemony, right? Mm-hmm. Like we have the template for like popular culture sure right, uh, right but like you said that's been slipping yeah uh, there's k-pop now and they're yeah. just like what what do you mean appropriation yeah k-pop yeah, yeah. is for everyone so <laughs> yeah and i mean there's gonna be some critics who'll be like you know uh even k-pop sort of like fits within like the american template of like cultural hegemony but it doesn't sure, like it, sure. it's it's on its own axis like it's it, it maybe it intersects at some points but it's still mm-hmm. kind of different and but but there's also like culture coming out of china there's also culture coming out of like india uh like all these places that are producing their own art like the more uh these quote-unquote like developing nations become sort of like modern developed nations Mm. or emerging markets as they call them like the access to the internet is going to become more frequent and then you'll see a cultural surge like it's kind of like how it goes you know that's like the dialectic i can't wait to see some cool tiktoks yeah right yeah there will be some cool tiktoks from cool places i mean you're already seeing it like coming in Mm. um but that's a whole other like Mm. so far what the best the best thing that other countries have to offer to my corner of the internet is like 
the proficiency in which they do manual tasks and stuff like that. Like, oh, you mean like the dudes who can like chop onions uh, like really crazy or, or like machete up a bunch yeah, of bananas? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean that's that. I've seen a lot of that where you know they're like, this isn't skilled labor. We don't work hard. We stack cups to songs from fucking uh, sing it movies and shit. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like you know, it just goes to show you how hard these like some of these places are hustling. Um, and you know, mashallah, they'll be out of the uh, the shadow of the American Empire soon enough. Yeah. So that's the thing. Death to America and Buttershaws. Don't boil me. I'm still alive. Iraq lobster. Iraq lobster. Okay, so the moral of the story, kind of like the chief takeaway for this episode, is that the most important thing to resist right now as a U.S. leftist or socialist or whatever uh, is U.S. imperialism. Imperialist countries, chiefly the United States, but also like the U.K., France, Germany, etc., act as the police force of the entire world uh, for the sole purpose of cultivating the earth and its people for super exploitation. And that super exploitation comes with violence. It is the primary antagonism to world peace. And any effort that is undermining U.S. imperialism should be outright or at least critically supported by U.S. leftists. Any leftism without agitation against imperialism is just controlled opposition. When you log onto your Twitter and you start spouting off shit about China or Russia or Venezuela, Syria, Iran, whatever, you are only carrying water for U.S. imperialism by providing its ideological cover. And before anyone comes in the comments with the, oh, but I'm against the United States and X, Y, and Z, seriously, ask yourself, what does it mean for you as an American to oppose a country that the U.S. government is opposed to? Who told you to hate this country? And on what basis do you find your reasoning? More importantly, whose responsibility is it to fix these places? Because it isn't yours. Your responsibility is to fix this country, not anyone else's. And because of that, if you want to see a better America, like if you want to see the end of America, if you want to see the American empire go to the dustbin of history, it's gonna do that a fucking hell of a lot faster without people every day providing ideological cover for its foreign policy. So that's, that's the chief takeaway, right? Like the big bad is the United States. Everything else is secondary. If you want to do something good, that's where you should be, uh, you know, aiming your efforts and putting your energy to. You know, down with the empire. Support fucking anti-imperialist efforts around the world. Uh, make sure that the the fucking the fleas of the uh, American military are just flicked out of every corner, um, and and keep agitating against it. I guess because oh, this is all like Star Wars, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. The more the rebellion grows with like the little tiny systems in the in the periphery, and it just goes into the so, core. So, so am I supposed to? not like people who have the imperial sticker like on their cars and shit like that yeah i mean you should have already not liked them i Why didn't know you? before i mean because i told you the word imperial what the fuck does that mean but you now, didn't know the I empire see... in star wars was bad before you learned what imperialism meant imperialism starts with an i empire starts with an e so nope
All right, that's it. Uh, this has been <laughs> an episode of uh, Everyone Sucks Here. And, uh, uh, thanks for tuning gonna, in. Yeah, I'm going to go take a shower and get some. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, see you next time, guys. See you next time. Oh,